1: Welcome back to the Overnight Crowd. Great to have you with us on SEN. Paul Heath in the studio with you. And uh, we are still just taking the pulse after a massive weekend in sports. So much to talk about out of the F1 GP with Max Verstappen getting the win for now. We think there could be a case going to the uh, Sport of Arbitration Court at a point in the future. But wow. Just for the moment, what a spectacle that was to wrap up a weekend of sport. And uh, over the weekend of sport, we saw some massive action in the NBL as well. Yesterday on Sunday, a massive triple header of games where it just got better and better and better. But the first game did include this amazing highlight from the throwdown, which has now gone around the world some seven or eight million times. It's been viewed on social media and elsewhere. It is Mitch Creek and his massive dunk over Matthew Della Force a
2: turnover at halfway. Oh, yes, sir. Creek took a body. Oh, oh, here we go. And Mason Peatling barrels in. Here we go. And tempers have fled in throwdown 13. Really? silly stuff by Here you see this unbelievable dunk back, on Deliver
1: Okay. That is completely unnecessary. Ben Malice, one of our favourites on the overnight crowd. He's an NBA journalist and from the Pick and Roll, he joins us this evening to talk some NBA and NBL. G'day, Ben.
0: Hello, good evening.
1: How are you? Yeah, good, thank you, mate. Thanks for the time as always, mate. Great to have you with us. Now, it's been a big weekend in NBL action. It's certainly catching fire thanks to the high-quality basketball, but also some eye-catching incidents like Mitch Creek's dunk over Delhi in the throwdown.
0: It really had it all yesterday, didn't it? Now, that dunk by Mitch Creek on Delhi, the dunk itself, that was just pure fuel. That was (laughs) so nice. And I can't recall seeing something so, I don't know, jaw-dropping and eye-catching in the NBL in my time, definitely following the league. So in terms of a moment and some of the photos that came out of that, Duncan, poor Jelly getting put into a poster for the rest oh, of the time. That was just an amazing moment. And obviously the extracurriculars and the push and shove afterwards um, only amplifies that moment and really makes it something that's gone viral on socials today. And again, like most uh, basketball fights or skirmishes, <laughs> nothing really came of it. So yeah, as a moment and as an advert for the league, that 30-second video was probably as good as anything we're going to get all season. But more importantly, yesterday, we saw three great games. And obviously, the Derby in Melbourne was a systematic of that. And over here in the West, the Wildcats going into double overtime with the Brisbane Bullets. So in terms of three games and a day, it's as good of advert yes, yeah. as the NBL could ever wish to find. And yeah, it was obviously a great day of basketball yesterday.
1: So that dunk and its videos moved past 7 million views around the world. That's pretty unbelievable Ooh. stuff. But as the promo is so heavy on moments like this to bring new people in, are we going to see punishments for the players involved?
0: Ooh, I, the only punishment that I could maybe potentially see is a one-game suspension Suspension, sorry, for the Melbourne United big man that came in and uh, gave Mitch Creek a bit of a, really? I don't know what you'd call that, a shoulder barge <laughs> after the moment. So okay. there might be a little bit coming his way, but... In terms of Creek himself, yeah, he should have got the technical foul. That was well-deserved after standing over <laughs> what remained of Delhi's body after the dunk. But a tech was enough for that, and I don't expect to see, nor would I really want to see any more suspensions coming out of that yesterday because... For all it was, it was just a bit of push and shove and a yeah. bit of barking back and forth after a very, very emotional moment. Yeah, most
1: definitely. Uh, South East Melbourne out the gate with three wins on the hop, including that win in the throwdown. Uh, Munford, off and Creek all standing up, uh, up alongside the incredible recruit, uh, Zoe Chi as well.
0: Yeah, the Phoenix, obviously, coming off a season last year where they made the finals for the first time. And even I forget this as well, they had Melbourne United up 15 points in the fourth quarter of an elimination playoff game last year. And they just collapsed down the stretch and their season ended moments away from making a grand final. Mm. So they had a great season last year and they've only built off that. And obviously you've got the big Chinese man in the middle, like you mentioned, that had a great game yesterday, was blocking shots inside and (laughs) stretching the floor on offense. And he's been a welcome addition. But the thing that's really promising for me when looking at the Phoenix, is that Mitch Creek and Ryan Brockoff, two Australian guys that have both played in the NBA over the past two or three years, and this is their second season together now, and they're just looking more and more comfortable. And the Phoenix are ticking a lot of boxes for me. They've obviously got those star Australian players leading the way, and they've just got a deep, versatile range of supporting cast around them. So the Phoenix... Not only have they gone undefeated, like you said, and really shown out the start of the year, I think it's fair and reasonable to argue they're one of the title favourites right now, if not the title favourite, given Melbourne United are starting slow and the Wildcats also have some teething issues at their end. So a great start for the Phoenix, and they can't be doing any more than what they are through the first two weeks of the season.
1: So Melbourne been missing um, Chris Goulding, as any team would. Uh, Who have you seen stepping up in his absence? And do you know when he'll be back on court as well?
0: No specific time frame on Goulding. There was hope that he would have actually played yesterday. But his rehab just got pushed out a little bit. And the thought and the hope is definitely for those around the team that given he was close to playing over the weekend, that he should be right um, for round three coming up. So fingers crossed he's back out on the court soon. And yeah, while United have started the season winless, the real silver lining for them yesterday was the performance of Matthew Delavadova, who stuffed the statue and really impacted the game on both ends in many ways. So Melbourne United just need to get their players fit. Obviously, coming off a title, they know what they can accomplish. And it starts with Chris Goulding getting back out there. But in his absence, Delhi showed yesterday that he can be an all star calibre player in the NBL it probably will take him some time to get his feet under him and his fitness going, Delhi. that is, because mm-hmm. he hasn't played a lot of basketball over the past couple of years. But it was really promising yesterday to see him make an impact, clearly be the best United player on the court, and really give the team a glimpse of what they can expect when Chris Gooding comes back and United suddenly have their team at full strength.
1: Adelaide have been a bit of a mystery since winning the Blitz. Uh, they've had a 2-2 two and two start and they got past the breakers on Sunday. Uh, how are they looking at the minute?
0: Yeah, it's, a mystery is a great way of putting it because I'm struggling to get a read on the 36s. <laughs> now, they had a great pre-season, which we know across any sport can be problematic at times if we read too much into that. But they did what they needed to do early on and hit the season regular with a good winning streak behind them. So that's promising. Like you said, they're sitting at 2-2. Two and two. They've had some performances that have been good. The one yesterday against the New Zealand side, to be honest from them, it wasn't a world-beating performance, but they came back and ground out an impressive win at home. And I think, as far as Adelaide are concerned, they're definitely a step behind the two teams that have really come out so far and impressed in the Phoenix, like we mentioned, and Illawarra. And as far as Adelaide are concerned, again, if Melbourne United can get fit and the Perth Wildcats can get some momentum under them, I think the 36ers are a tier below them still. Mm. But there is a very even spread across the league this year. And if the United injuries in Melbourne linger a little bit longer or the Wildcats are probably going to be facing a long road trip coming up now that the border news is starting to filter out, there still could be an opportunity for teams to rise up into the playoffs and if the 36ers can just keep grinding out wins while they get some cohesion with a new playing squad and a new coach, then they, like every team, to be honest, will be hoping they can squeeze into the playoff next.
1: The Wildcats, as you mentioned, are tasting defeat for the first time, 97-94 to 94 yesterday against the Bullets. Felt like that game could have gone either way at the end of double overtime, but great efforts by Sobe, Franks and Patterson got the Bullets the W.
0: Yeah, that trio for Brisbane hit some massive shots yesterday. There were multiple times, especially in the fourth quarter and in the first overtime, where personally I thought the Wildcats had the game won and they'd be closing it out and doing what they always do at the jungle and that's celebrating another impressive win. But the shot making by the Bullets yesterday, it was amazing and it was great. And they escaped with an impressive win and that's obviously a great boost for him coming over to Perth. It's very hard to win here. So they'll be very happy. As far as the Wildcats are concerned, there they've just been some brain farts is probably the best way i can describe it from them over the past couple of games and even the opening weekend where they went 2-0 at home and started the season in good form in terms of getting the wins and losses there were moments in both of those games where the defense slipped or rotations were missed or the ball stopped moving on offense and they came back to get them those mistakes did yesterday because Up by six points with a minute and a half left, you should be closing out that game and the Wildcats will be looking back at yesterday as a missed opportunity. And the good news for them is obviously Brisbane are lingering around in town until Friday and they'll go at it again. But there's plenty for the Wildcats under a new head coach and a new general manager. There's still plenty for them to clean up and yeah, they'll be looking to bounce back this weekend to get the win. But more important than that is just making sure that their focus is lasting for longer in a 40-minute game and not allowing their opponent to come back and yet yeah, still games at the death, like the Bullets did yesterday. Mm.
1: A little bit more spitefulness on Saturday as well with another altercation in the Kings versus Hawks clash. The Hawks taking the victory on the scoreboard 92-84 to 84 and possibly the moral victory as well, Ben.
0: Yeah, again, great sign for Illawarra coming off an impressive campaign last season. They're backing it up and... Like we said about the Phoenix five minutes ago, the Hawks are undefeated, they're impressive, and they've got some great imports that are falling out. Now, Drop Reith has come in for the Hawks, and it was clear to see he was going to be a big addition to their team, but his impact through two games has been even larger than I thought it was. So, again, more than just a psychological edge or, I suppose, getting one over a crosstown rival, Gellawarra beat a very good team on Saturday night in a hostile environment in a game, like you said, where the owners were tripping back and forth (laughs) beforehand. And there was a tension and hype and pressure on the game. And it just looked like a business trip for the Hawks. So, again, great signs for them earlier, And they, too, profile as a team that should get better as their imports and their Australians coming back, like Dwarf Reef, get more opportunities to get used to the players around them. And I'd expect and I'd almost demand from the Hawks that they improve mm. and really go on a nice little streak here to start the season.
1: Yeah, he was super dominant the other night, uh do up breath. We can talk the good all day long, man, but we do have to mention the bad sometimes. Cairns versus the jack jumpers on Saturday night was one of those. Tiepans dropped six points in the second quarter. Jack jumpers think that's cute and cute and then do it as well in the third quarter. <laughs>
0: Yeah, look, I think the the said about this game, the better and the silver lining is uh, this was just the entree to four epic games of basketball. So not every game is going to be uh, riveting and uh, the sexiest affair. But for the top end, it was important that they got a win on the board at home and really just yeah, got on the board after what was a disappointing season last year. So yeah, I don't think there's much to unpack from that game. Both of these teams probably won't be pushing for the playoff spots. But, yeah, as we say, the uh, silver lining there is that four out of five games over the weekend were epic encounters, and uh, 80% is a pretty good strike rate, isn't
1: it? That's true. Yeah. Can we get an early tip for Thursday's match, which will see Melbourne United host the Kings?
0: So It's a big game. I think if Gooding comes back, United should have enough to get the chocolates at home. But if he is forced to sit out again, then it's going to be a very interesting encounter between two teams, with high expectations, facing a uh, losing start to the season. So I will go for Melbourne in a close mm-hmm. game, but the Kings should keep it close.
1: Lovely stuff. Uh, let's move overseas to the NBA. KD having another KD week. He gets fined 25000 for giving a bit of feedback to some crowd members, then drops 51 points on the Pistons in a 12-point win. Patty Mills with a nice 18 points as well.
0: Yeah, that really is the full KD experience, <laughs> isn't it? That is... Uh, <laughs> chirping off the court, but when it comes time to ball and to go out there, the man is just a seven-foot-tall walking bucket, and while Steph Curry is rightfully getting plenty of attention for his season in Golden State, in my mind, Durant is playing better basketball than Curry. He is doing more with less in Brooklyn, and if the season ended today, Durant would be the man that I would be giving the MVP award to because... His defense goes unheralded at the best of times and has been there throughout the season from Brooklyn. But with a litany of injuries and absences around him, he's got the net to top the Eastern Conference. And today's performance was just the I suppose, the cherry on top of what has been a very impressive performance from Durant. So don't read too much into them beating the Detroit Pistons yeah. necessarily, but read the facts. Read into the fact that James Harden wasn't playing, Kyrie Irving still isn't there. Joe Harris remains injured and out of the fray. And for as much as we all love Paddy Mills, he's the second best player on that team at the moment. And that isn't generally a good sign because for as much as we love Paddy, he's not a reliable NBA superstar like some of the guys that Durant hopes to be playing alongside soon are. So, yeah, to put a bow on all that, Durant is playing some of the best ball of his career. And the performance this morning was just systematic of what has been a very impressive season for him so far. It's
1: a great point that you mentioned about his defensive aspect as well because he was uh, mostly guarding Trey Young of the Hawks uh, the other day when he did receive that fine. So he's not just you know manning up against someone just trying to get rebounds. He's taking on the best that's on the court.
0: Yeah, and what makes Durant such a magical player defensively is his length combined with how yeah. quick and light he is on his feet. And it just means that he can defend a water bug guard like Trey Young and he can also go inside and play the centre position and go up against seven footers at the same time. So Durant's versatility is what gives him power at that end and it's what Brooklyn is going to be relying on because as much as the Nets need his scoring, I know Brooklyn will be hoping that Harden's return to form and a potential reemergence of Kyrie Irving can carry the offense. But if Brooklyn wants to maintain An elite defence, a lot of that is going to rest with Kevin Durant. And like you just said, it's going to rest on Durant being able to play on the wing and defend guards and also anchor interior defence at different times, depending on who Brooklyn goes up against in the postseason.
1: The COVID uh, Wheel of Fortune in the league has seemingly landed on the Bulls this time. Up to nine players in league's uh, health and safety protocols. Even a couple of broadcasters are home in isolation as well. They need a minimum of eight to take the court, don't they?
0: They do. They need a minimum of eight players to take the court. And they've got a game tomorrow morning our time. And what I was reading about before, I think they're going to be pushing just to get those eight guys out there. And it's going to be a hodgepodge lineup because like you say, the Bulls have been decimated with the COVID bug and it threatens what has been a very impressive start to the season for them. So obviously hoping all involved in Chicago can get over COVID and return to the court soon. But In the meantime, it's going to be a challenging week or two for the Bulls as they try to just get bodies on the court and then hopefully win a few games through what is likely going to be a very tough week of basketball for them.
1: Luka Doncic out for another two games, including today's win over OKC. Uh, It's believed the ankle injury popped up first back in November and been pretty persistent ever since. But the Mavericks have been able to bank a couple of wins either without him or Chris dat on court, haven't they? It's been pretty impressive so far this season.
0: Yeah, the the Mavericks have been a bit of a conundrum this season for me because they <laughs> entered the season with talk and hope of potentially elevating into a top-four seed in the Western Conference and trying to win a playoff series for the first time with Luka Doncic. And the reality is they're a mile off the top teams in the conference, the Mavericks, and they've been floundering at about 500 throughout the season. And this morning's victory over OKC got them, a 500 record at 13-13. and So, it's been a bit underwhelming for them. The fact that they win any game without Luka Doncic is impressive, albeit over an OKC side which is devoid of a lot of talent. But they need to just keep banking wins while Doncic is out and keep just hoping that uh, once Jason Kidd finds his feet with this roster and once Luka Doncic gets himself into shape that they can go on a run over the back half of the season. So, The good news is that Mavericks are benefiting, like a lot of teams in the West, from a conference that's got three elite teams and not much else in it because it means that everything I've just said about Dallas withstanding, they're a good week or two away from securing the four seed and getting home court throughout the playoffs. So they obviously need Luca back on the court quick. Hopefully the ankle injury solves itself soon. And if they can get him firing, then we've seen it during the last 2 postseason runs mm. that he can win any game by himself. And Mavericks fans will be hoping that he can do that again throughout the second half of the season.
1: Now, a couple of uh, appearances on the overnight crowd back, Ben. You mentioned that you had a pretty good feeling that a Ben Simmons deal won't be sorted until that magical 15th of December date rolls around and allows more players to be traded. We're a couple of days away. Is there a package starting to emerge that you can
0: see? Uh, before the recent injury to CJ McCullum over in Portland. My thought was that the deal was going to end up being CJ McCollum, a young player from Portland in the draft picks. The challenge with that now is that CJ has suffered a pretty serious injury and is out of action indefinitely. And it just means it's going to be very hard for the Sixers to make that deal if they can't be 100% certain when he's going to come back. Because paramount to any deal the Sixers make is getting players that can help them compete for a championship this season. So, with that McCollum deal off the table, I'm at a bit of a loss, to be honest, to see where it's going to come from. Now, history tells us there's always a team that gets desperate and comes out of the woodwork and makes an aggressive deal. And it could be someone like the Minnesota Timberwolves to get Ben's defense around Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. The more I think about that trio, the more I am intrigued about what it can Mm. do. Mm -hmm. But it's just going to come down to who feels like they're a Ben Simmons piece away from elevating their team. And also, at the same time, who is going to back their franchise in to deal with everything that Ben's got going on. Because for all of the discussion around Ben Simmons over the past six months, two things above all else remain true. He is an all-star caliber player. But at the same time, he is a very difficult fit with a lot of teams, given his inability to shoot the ball. So the good thing about this whole situation is that the dawn of the 15th of December, like you say, is going to make a large volume of players available for trade again. And I think this week, this time next week, sorry, we'll either have a Ben Simmons trade or we'll know this is going to last for a couple of months and really drag out to the deadline because part of me thinks that... The Sixers might just be waiting for the 15th to roll over and then they're going to become very aggressive and try to deal Ben because they need help. They've, Philadelphia that is, plateaued after a very promising start to the season. Mm. A lot of that due to a COVID outbreak, it must be said within their team. But they've slipped to seventh in the conference and I know that's not where they want to be. So the 15th, which is Wednesday, is going to accelerate everything. And who knows, we could see a Ben Simmons trade later in the week.
1: Steph Curry, three-point chase, uh, or the record chase has been pretty enthralling. Uh, LeBron James commenting on the greatness of Steph is uh, that we are all entertaining the possibility of Steph being able to drain 16 threes in the one game to overtake the record a couple of games back. But an Aussie had a pretty big hand in maybe stopping it over the weekend, didn't he? The uh, 76ers, Matisse Thibel, killing out there and uh, coming in for some praise from Steve Kerr as well.
0: Yeah, Matisse had a wonderful game against Steph Curry over the weekend and It's a little surprise to be honest, because Matisse's frame and defensive skill set makes him probably the most equipped defensive player in the world to deal with Steph Curry. And while it must be said that Steph missed a few shots on Sunday morning that he hoped to make, Thibault's defense was elite. It was as good as it gets. And he just made Steph work for every shot that he took. And you could tell that by the time the second half rolled around on Sunday morning and the third quarter got going and the game developed, that Curry was just playing a step faster than he normally plays. And that's just because he had a defender like Thibault going up against him Mm. and slowing him down. So a very impressive performance from Matisse Thibault against Steph Curry. And it just leaves Steph a handful of made threes away from breaking that record. And something that uh, could be quite cool this week is that Steph's probably on track to break that in New York against the Knicks on Thursday morning it'll be our time so the record will get broken this week and if Steph does the MSG which was the place where he probably had his breakout moment as an NBA player almost a decade ago that would be a cool bit of symmetry on what has been an amazing past decade from him.
1: Most definitely. And uh, just the last one on the way out, Ben, the Indiana Pacers uh, seemingly hitting the rebuild button and opening the doors to offers on some extremely good players. I'm a big fan of uh, Dom Sabonis. I guess what I'm asking is what are the signs or the points that a team gets to, to make that decision? If there is a way to uh, answer that question.
0: (laughs) I think for the Pacers, and this might sound a bit harsh, they've just become a boring, bland basketball team. And they've just been on a one-way track to the middle rung of the Eastern Conference for the past half-decade. And it must be said, the ownership team in Indiana is notorious for never wanting to go into the tank and bottom out. They always want a competitive side and a team pushing for the playoffs. But in terms of what's led to this point, this Pacers team has some very enticing players led by Sabonis, I agree. He's definitely the best player on that team. But they lack impact plays at the guard positions. And they have just been overtaken by a handful of teams in the Eastern Conference where you've got teams like Charlotte led by LaMelo Ball or Chicago led by DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine and Ball as well. Or even New York with Julius Randle. These teams that were bottom-rung teams two years ago have got an influx of talent and jumped Indiana. And the Pacers basically have the same team they had two years ago in terms of talent. (laughs) And it's just see them slide. So that all said, they have won three games in a row since the trade request. uh, Information started dripping out. So who knows? They may turn it around and make me look a little bit foolish here. But (laughs) the Pacers really look like a team that's in dire need of a reset. And a couple of big trades could be what they need just to breathe some new life into that team and see if they can ignite their squad for the first time in a few years.
1: Well explained, Ben. uh, We really love your work, mate, and really appreciate your time on The Overnight Crowd once again. Uh, Have a great week.
0: Anytime, mate. You too. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Ben. Really appreciate that, mate. Ben Malice from The Pick and Roll. He's an NBA journalist joining us on The Overnight Crowd to uh, pick through the NBL. What a weekend it was as well. And also just some uh, tidbits around the NBA as uh, we keep turning our attention to hopefully Steph Curry taking over uh, Ray Allen's three-point made record in the NBA. And as we were saying, Matisse Thybul having a fantastic game for the 76ers as they had a win over the Warriors on the weekend and Steve Kerr, the Warriors coach, had this little bit of praise for our man, our bronze medalist, Matisse Theibel, after his fantastic performance on Steph Curry over the weekend.
2: Only uh few season-low in points. What do you think was the offensive problem tonight?
1: Uh,
2: well, you know, 12 for 48 from three, um, we, the, ball, the ball's got to go in. The game, you got to make some shots. So they, I thought they did a really good job on on Steph. You know, uh, they just kept ball on him the whole game, and he harassed him really well. And they sent uh, sent some doubles, and uh, we just couldn't uh, make them pay enough uh, for uh, for paying so much attention to Steph. We had some some decent looks. Uh, I'll watch the tape and see what we could do better. But uh, I think Doc's the one who made up the term make or miss lead um it's kind of the truth like you gotta, you gotta make shots and tonight we just couldn't make shots we've talked recently about just how many of steph's shots this season are from three not from two i mean would you uh, tonight again i mean it's very overloaded with threes would you like to see him try to maybe use the mid-range get to the rim more could that counteract some of this pressure i thought he uh he did that in the first half quite a bit he, he um Got to the rim a couple times. Uh, he, was, he was patient. I um, had a couple mid-rangeers, um, but again, I give uh, Thibel credit. I thought he was fantastic defensively. You know, he's um, a rare combination. You know, of, of um, length and athleticism and, and brains. And um, he he did as, as good a job on Steph as anybody I've seen in a long time.